Welcome to Humanly, the podcast providing allied health and integrative medicine practitioners with the most up-to-date, evidence-based and clinically relevant information. This podcast is a melting pot of ideas on health and well-being and does not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. So welcome along, everyone. Daniel Reuters here, and I'm sure you're all familiar with who I am. Um, got Chloe Silverman here today with me and Chloe's a naturopath and yoga therapist and you're currently based over in the UK so thank you so much for taking the time out to come and speak with me today Chloe. Thank you thank you for the invite this is exciting to um, be on someone else's podcast and not just doing my own so thank you. (laughs) Exactly you're like on the other on the other end of the um, the camera other side of the microphone this time around being the interviewee not the interviewer but yeah I guess this isn't really much of an interview it's more of a discussion I mean we were just talking um before about why we want to have these discussions and it's to get good and new information out to clinicians to try and get them thinking a little bit differently and you know just providing uh, alternative views on certain things and Maybe this will resonate with some of our listeners. So you do have your own podcast and you've also got your own website and you offer um, practitioner education and you do a lot of work with um, yoga and mind-body medicines. So do you want to sort of talk about your journey to why you started looking into natural medicine originally? What has led you eventually now to where you are today? Big question. (laughs) Um, so I, I actually began with a nursing degree. So I began, well, actually before that, I began in palliative care. So I was a home carer. That was one of my first jobs at 17, working with the very, very sick and the dying. And um, the natural progression from there was to do nursing. So I went into a nursing degree. It was actually pediatric nursing. It wasn't um, adults. And I, I was kind of given the, um, the ultimatum to continue going as I was, which was to question um, why we were doing everything that we were doing in the system. Um, and I was also calling out a lot of malpractice as well. Um, to either continue doing as I was doing um, or be quiet. Um, If I was going to continue, then I'd have to leave um, or be quiet and get on with it and then try and do something about it afterwards Um, once I'd I'd completed the degree. But um, I was only 18 years old and, you know, I was really, I was quite bossy and I was a rebel and I thought I could, you know, make a huge impact and, you know, I couldn't. Um, I left the nursing degree. I was very disgruntled. And then I went on my own mission to find medicine that actually worked and a system that was more compassionate and something that was educational and more empowering. Um, And yeah, where did I go after that? I spent a year studying massage and holistic therapies and then I, and I only did that, I only studied massage so that I could get out of England. So I thought, how can I travel? Um, so I studied massage and then I, I got myself to Australia, got a job in the Sydney Hilton Spa in Oz, um, where I massaged a bunch of rock stars and famous musicians, met them and then they asked me to go on tour with them so then I kind of you know I was traveling everywhere which was great <laughs> that's what I wanted to do ultimately um so yeah I was on this little mission of seeing the world and adventuring but at the same time still looking for this um for this system of medicine that was effective um and it wasn't until I had you know a good two years of partying with rock stars Um, and then landing on my ass, going to Thailand and doing a health retreat. And it was at that health retreat that I learned about cleansing and fasting and juicing and enemas and like the traditions of naturopathy. And it completely changed my outlook. It changed my perspective. 
Um, it changed the way that I behaved. And I'd even say my thought patterns and my beliefs. So, yeah, and it was there that I read all about naturopathy. And then um, that led me to do a naturopathic degree. Um, and that was in Australia. That was in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, what college did you study at? Do you mind me asking? Uh, Endeavour. Oh, you did it through Endeavour. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. They don't yeah. really offer much of that type of uh, education in the UK, do they? They have a college in London and they were offering something at Middlesex University, but not anymore. So, yeah, my choices were Canada, um, America or Australia. And because I'd already been to Australia, I was like, oh, this is easy. My friends were there. So I went back. Yeah. And then, um, and then the journey kind of continued. So I had a practice um, when I left Australia, I went back to the UK with like a mission to change the whole health system in the UK and save the world. <laughs> Little did I know I had to save myself first. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I was working in Cambridge at a hospital there. Um, and then I went to Ibiza, Spain, and I opened a clinic there and I was working there for three years. And it was there that I actually feel like I had to unlearn everything that I learned at uni to truly understand naturopathic naturopathy, um, which is different to naturopathic medicine. One is with a curriculum that's kind of been um, uh, organized, if you like, by pharmaceutical companies. And then you have like the true naturopathy, which is the, you know, the hydrotherapy and um, doctor as teacher and do not harm and all of those principles. So yeah, it was a super interesting journey um, to get to where I'm at now. Yeah, and it's ongoing. So say- Sorry, go ahead. And it's an ongoing journey of like understanding and then remembering parts of yourself and forgetting, you know, these conditions that we're taught. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm interested when you said you had to unlearn everything to sort of relearn the, the true naturopathy. So what do you mean by that? Do you want to expand on it a little? Because I'm really interested to hear your perspective. Um, so I, I was doing a refugee mission in Serbia in 2017. And whilst I was doing this mission, we were hearing, it was myself, a doctor and a nurse, And we were hearing these like really traumatic stories on a daily basis and and witnessing the effects of um, what these guys had been through firsthand. And I was treating with natural medicines, I was treating with herbal medicine. Um, And I was treating with drop doses. So instead of like the dose that we'd been told, because I didn't have enough medicine there, it was drop doses and we were treating bronchitis, we were treating... Um, pneumonia, TB, like all of these um, pretty severe conditions, um, chronic diarrhea, and these drop doses were really effective. So that kind of blew my mind. That's where I got to understand like the actual power of herbal medicine in practice. Um, We were never taught to use it in emergency care either. Um, It was just me again, wanting to go on an adventure and and see more of the world and understand more of the world. and yeah, see the different cycles and different patterns from my normal practice to going overseas and working in such like dire um, conditions. Um, so that was interesting. But also when I was over that, I, I kind of just stopped eating. Um, so I was practicing Qigong every night before I went to sleep to kind of, you know, cleanse my energetic field of all of the trauma that I'd heard and seen and absorbed um to get back to that scent that centered neutral place in my body um and also just to stay in the heart center and not get consumed with everything and be up in the head um and take on that trauma and I don't know if it was like a mixture of me doing the qigong and so my pranic field was increasing anyway or if it was just like the time that I was about to go and embark on the next thing that I was going to do after that, which is where I unlearned everything. Um, so I signed up to do in Costa Rica a breath area initiation. And 
breatharian is basically you don't eat like you you don't you lose the desire and the need the requirement for food and if somebody had told me like a day before i was ready to hear this like oh i'm a breatharian i'd be like nah dude you're an idiot like what are you talking about you know my i wouldn't be able to comprehend what was going on um yeah but somehow i just i just did um and so i booked that retreat in just before I went to do the refugee mission. So I don't know if it was my body kind of like getting in tune for that anyway. Um, but yeah, by the time I got to Costa Rica, I was only eating like one meal every two days. Um, I was still having lots of fluids. I was having smoothies and juices. Um, and then I did the initiation and that was four days of no food and no water. And then slowly onto fluids. And then after that for a year, I didn't have any requirement for food, literally no hunger. And if I did eat, so I did eat, um, it was to, it was testing it out. Um, so once the initiation had actually finished, I went, the, the guy who, who ran the retreat, he said, okay, it's done. So you won't get full and you won't get hungry, but don't eat for six weeks. You know, don't try anything for six weeks. Um, for me being a rebel, I was like, well, you said it's done. So <laughs> I'm going to go and try it out. So straight away, wow. I went and I ate a burger and then I had a pizza. I had a massive bowl of veggies, a salad, and nothing satiated me. But I also I wasn't fully able to taste the flavors of the food as well, which was really interesting. So, yeah, I had to unlearn. I had to learn, unlearn everything. I had to unlearn nutrition, what I learned there. Um mm-hmm. I had to unlearn the endocrine system and how it functions. And that's something that I'm still discovering. Yeah. So when you say you didn't eat, like, did you have any food throughout that year period? Or was it just like totally not? I think I ate for pleasure, like just for pleasure. So I was living in a beach during that time. And I, yeah, I was running a clinic with, incredible people I was invited to these beautiful beautiful restaurants um yeah I I I I ate for pleasure that's that's all I can say yeah and like how often would you have been eating or consuming food probably two or three times a week yeah okay that's interesting yeah I I've also noticed uh or started to look into this type of therapy where uh extended periods of fasting can promote very radical change in people's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a 12 or 14 day fast myself and I could have gone for longer. I think after about the fourth or fifth day, I felt pretty good. Um, but by that point of time, I was starting to get concerned that maybe I'd do myself some harm if I didn't eat. So I, I did recommence eating, but I noticed after that period of about 12 to 14 days that I did have quite a significant um, and noticeable effect in my overall health with the condition that I was trying to treat. So yeah, it's really interesting that you're um, talking about that. And so fasting is obviously something that you incorporate and encourage with your clients now. Um, so I don't call it fasting. Um, it's cleansing and I run, right. I run a cleanse. And when I did that year, I wasn't living in, I wasn't in London where I am now, I wasn't in the rat race, I wasn't surrounded by pollution um, and, you know, like lots of toxins in the air and, and toxic people and conversations. Like I was completely secluded. So I was as close as you could get to like, you know, the guy living in a, in a cave who was just isolated himself from the world. So I was, I, even though I was, I was running clinic and I was socializing, um, everything else, you know, like my home, I was basically living outside. Um, it was like very open living, lots of sunshine every day. It's like spending two hours a day in meditation, going for like naked swims in the ocean. Like it was very um, out there, if you like. <laughs> and um, I haven't, I haven't gone back to that state of living where I don't have the requirement for food. Um, especially mm-hmm. since being back in the UK. So the cleanse that I run is very, um, 
there's like a huge emphasis on presence practices like yoga, qigong, meditation, anything that really helps us to be embodied in the body. And um, when you're in the body, then you can be heart-centered. If you're heart-centered, uh, the heart has the, the strongest electromagnetic field of the whole body. And then this is what we kind of power ourselves with. So when I hear the word fast, I just, I think it has like this negative connotation of like starving yourself. And it, it's absolutely not. A cleanse is the opposite. You know, you're removing the junk and you're removing the obstacles to yourself and to your innate energy and your energy mm -hmm. systems. And once the person can get in touch with that, um, then they can assist with all other systems of the body. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's um, almost touching on principles of like German new medicine, um, where you have to look inside first to be able to heal physical manifestations of disease. So, and that's not something that you get taught in naturopathic school, right? We've sort of lost touch of these things. So how were you able to challenge what you'd been taught uh, and start looking into these things with an open mind? Because, you know, the things that you're talking about now, many clinicians would never look at that because I, I feel like maybe there's a bit of indoctrination there that they've been taught a certain way and a, sort, a certain perspective on how to look at things, even from a natural medicine perspective, and that anything that challenges that must be nonsense. So how, how are you able to overcome those barriers of the things that you've previously been taught? Mm. Um, I think at first I definitely had a wall up and I was very self-righteous within like, oh, don't you know that I've studied all these years? Um, but... I think, I think because of my experience already with the conventional medical system and questioning that, being, being a part of that, being a part of that hierarchy and questioning that. Um, and then with the naturopathic degree, having these skills to critically analyze data um, and, you know, and that crossover and then critically analyze like what I was being told. <laughs> so I think it's almost like the degree in itself helped me to see outside of it. And um, being in a place with so many con artists and so many quacks, like Ibiza is just full of, uh, you know, like snake oil sellers and um, in, con you know, yeah. Um, how would you say a lot of ayahuasca retreats go on there a lot of kind of like have this quick fix magic pill um being surrounded with that um i was like well no i am the authority <laughs> and having to yeah having to kind of like weave through that chaos and that messiness um was infuriating in the beginning but it also like really humbled me to to meet these people and to hear their stories and to acknowledge well they don't have a degree but they've had their own experiences and they've had their own health experiences and they are the master of their um of their health condition um and they've worked out themselves so i think yeah having you know a lot of conversations with people and understanding their experiences and how they got to where they're at um, along the spiritual path. Um, I think that's what helped me. I have to kind of like broaden my horizons, um, but I definitely went through like a sticking my heels in the ground and being like, no, this isn't the way um, before. Yeah. Before I could see it all more clearly. Does that yeah, make it's sense? It's interesting to say that we, sort of have this perception that we know more than everybody else because we've gone through and we've done the multiple degrees and the years of study and someone comes along and says, Oh, look, I healed myself from this and this is how you do it. And sort of like, Oh, hang on a second. What, what do you know? You haven't done the study, but th I think this is the issue and maybe you can give your opinion here, but maybe this is the issue with where the health system's taken a wrong turn 
where we've taken that power away from people and now it's very much the clinician, whether it be a, a doctor or a naturopath or a physiotherapist or whoever it is, is the only one who can provide the sick person with the information or the services to get better. And that individual has no power to heal themselves. I've sort of come to the realization now that the opposite's true. That the individual is the only one that can heal themselves. And there are some very basic things that that person needs to do to initiate healing and maintain those practices for an extended period of time. And the body will find its balance again. It almost um, negates the need, right, for um, therapies in such a way and more so emphasizes the need with the point that you brought up at the start with uh, people being teachers which is what the word doctor actually means is being a teacher so we just provide the information and guide people on their journey i don't know if that's your perspective but yeah i'd, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on that absolutely i'm really happy that you said that um i think that people um they do know what people know what's best for them um and often the practitioner is there to kind of facilitate them finding out through their own self-inquiry, maybe by um, by removing obstacles. So I use herbs to help people to connect to themselves better. Um, and then the herbs kind of do their thing with homeostate, you know, um, creating more homeostasis in the body, balancing out the biological systems. Um, but also, so I've created the Naturo method which is ultimately it's natural medicine. So naturopathic medicine, like diet, lifestyle, um, herbs, um, and some nutrient therapies. And then also natural therapy, which is psychotherapy that uses the breath, right? And so this is body centered and it assists people um, literally to bypass years and years of psychoanalysis and psychiatry to be their own teacher um, and to process all of the emotions that are locked and stored in the body. And um, I find that it's these two things. So one that's, that's, um, that's holding space and working on the emotional psycho-spiritual body and then the, um, the naturopathy, which is more like that you mentioned it before, like the new German system of medicine, which is, you know, working on the biological and energetic aspects. So the merge of those two together really help people to, yeah, to be empowered and it moves the practitioner out of the way. Um, and there's no one practitioner for everybody. Like that's so important to understand. Um, and, you know, as part of Real Naturo, so I run the cleanse and we've got an online online clinic but my role is to empower the practitioners to be supported to receive um ongoing education and to be resilient because it's healthy and what is supported and resilient practitioners that make healthy communities so i think that's really important and for them to constantly be um you know on their own journey of understanding themselves so that they can ultimately move themselves out of the way <laughs> um, in practice and just, you know, just be a presence because if they're doing the work, their presence will then affect their clients as well. And in a way, is that, or are you noticing that practice? Okay. So I guess first and foremost, this is like a, um, a service that you offer, right? Through your, mm -hmm website for clinicians is yeah. that yeah so when you're doing these services or offering these services for clinicians are you noticing then that it's reducing the amount of burnout that practitioners oh, are experiencing yeah you just hit the nail on that <laughs> client they're just the facilitator yes yes um and it also once so we have this like three prong approach and the natural medicine practitioner is always working on the natural therapist, natural therapist is working on the natural therapist. And then we also have patient support as well. So the patient support is like a, a health mentor 
um, normally nutritionists or they're studying naturopathy um, and they are like they're taking care of like the in between the appointments in that stage um, and that kind of takes the stress of the practitioners the practitioners can just be practitioners they just rock up and they just have that um, that um, yeah I've just lost my train of thought sorry <laughs> no I think it's it sounds like a really interesting system that you've design there and um previously like i burnt out myself previously and, and mm-hmm. it took a toll on me and i think that was one of the reasons why i actually had so many um health issues and you know it's the wounded healer right is the old adage that we hear so often the reason that people get involved in in natural healing and natural therapies is that they are ill themselves and then they go and learn how to overcome the problem but um this is it took me becoming quite ill and burnt out to actually take a deeper look. And, you know, the mainstream medical system was saying basically what you've got is something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And the only way you can manage that is with drugs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, hang on a second. I've got a wealth of knowledge here in natural medicine. Let's actually put this to the test and see if it really works because I don't know if you found this, but when you, sometimes when you're dealing with clients, you're seeing them get better, but you don't really, you don't understand it because we've never been through it ourselves having to heal from something. But as soon as you go through it and you go, actually, wow, this stuff does work and our bodies are um, really magnificent and capable of healing. Then you start um, unlocking other aspects to health, which I've never really looked at before, um, probably even just 12 months ago. And one of those things, and you just mentioned this was breathing. And, and breath work so i've started doing a lot of work on that so yeah what's your perspective on breath work are there any types of methods or um strategies that you get your clients to employ around um breath work yeah so around the time when i um when i did my first juice cleanse in thailand that's when i was first introduced to yoga and then I studied, well, I was practicing yoga for a good 12 years and I've been a yoga therapist, so yoga instructor, and then you do yoga therapy. Um, I've done that for the last seven years. And so I use pranayama, like really simple breaths. Um, first, like the full abdominal breath, which is called a yogi breath. So I'll always, before the session begins, I'll get my clients to kind of, make sure that they feel grounded, they feel their feet on the earth, they feel their buttocks on the the chair, and then just teach them how to do this deep abdominal breath. Sometimes that in itself can just release so much and bring them into the present moment. They're like, huh, (laughs) now now I know what I need to do. You know, that can be an aha moment. Um, But yeah, I have a breath series. all different types of breath for different things. If you want to focus, if you want more creativity, if you just want to feel more grounded in, in the body, um, if you need to sleep. Um, so yeah, I have a breathwork series and I'm working with different, um, different lineages um, and different super interesting people who have come up with their own breathwork systems. So I, I interview them on a regular basis and, and work out why they're doing that way. Um, and yeah, and then I, I will basically, I feel like my role in the Natura Medicine Clinic is to direct people to the right people. So I'm like a matchmaker in the health world. <laughs> I like help connect the dots and then I'm like, aha, that person needs this. Um, because there is no one size fits all and it has to be individualized and personalized. And the more people that I have in, in the clinic, um, the more effective our practice is going to be. Mm. And the more we learn off each other as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you're even like, um, taking it down to making your practice so individualized for people that you're even giving specific advice around breath work to that individual it's not even just a one size fits all approach which i guess is what natural therapy is all about right yeah is um holism and treating 
the person treating the individual which is really cool yeah and and helping just to slow down you know I think that job is forgotten that when we can slow down and create that presence we'll create the stillness like the the chills are still <laughs> that's what I call it um and then just noticing subtle changes that go on in the body so is that you know, the practitioner can work things out and also the client can work things out. And I think that's important because we are, with herbal medicine, we're working with energetics of the medicine. And so practitioner kind of, um, it's their duty of care, I believe, to be in tune with their own energetic system. And so a lot of my, um, a lot of the topics on the forum, I have a forum called real-talk.online. And a lot of the discussions that I write about are on the energetic systems yeah Mm. um and more more about how to how to feel into the energetics and into the um the medical intuitive as well yeah the whole energetic side of uh natural medicine's been lost um I think still somewhat there probably is some left in herbal medicine to a degree and Certainly that reigns true in uh, Chinese herbal medicine, for example, but Mm -hmm. even like um, homeopathy, when I was going through learning in my degree, I I did two units in homeopathy and I thought it was absolute nonsense, but now I've come full circle to realize that actually homeopathy probably is the original and and true and most effective form of medicine because it is working off that energetic side of things. And, um, you know, the more I'm starting to learn about yeah, the energetics of water and the energetics of the human body. Uh, you know, our, our ancestors in natural medicine really did have it um, worked out, I think. You know, you, you look back at what they were doing in the late 1800s and they're leaps and bounds ahead of where we are now. I actually think we've probably gone backwards, um, yeah. certainly in um, natural medicine anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, how do you... Th- how do you think we get in touch with that energetic side and, and um, all the traditional aspects that made us so effective in, in history? I think it has to be experienced. Um, mm-hmm. This is another reason why I created the cleanse. So it's a 10 day cleanse. It's three days of raw food, um, four days of juicing, one day of water and two days of prebiotic foods. And during this time, as I mentioned before, I really assist people with presence practices and um, noticing the little things around them, you know, toning the environment, that's what I call it. So there's no music played unless it's of a certain frequency. There's no um, music that's like emotive with words. And, um, you know, you're just getting people to slow down, getting people to slow down and experience that other side of life, which is like, it's, so incredible um and to do that people have to switch off from all the noise from all the consumption whether that's through toxic conversations whether it's like programming television programming you right whether it's the radio and just switching off so that they can hear themselves um and understand their own tune and that they that they can um affect that themselves yeah, so I think that's, I think it can only be experienced and it can only be known. And then people will understand that science is only just beginning to catch up with um, the traditions of naturopathy and the principles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've um, got a lot to learn mm. and a lot of information that we've lost. And that's all in the old textbooks. It's in the old eclectic textbooks. It, it, the information is there. We just have to get in touch with it again. And you're sort of saying how important it is to slow down and reconnect. Mm. One thing, that's one uh, aspect of the 21st century living in modern Western society is being busy. Someone will say, oh, you know, have, have you been? Oh, I've been so busy. Well, yeah, they probably have been busy, but their downtime is thing as well you know there's this kind of stigma with it like if you're not busy then and you're not being productive then who are you (laughs) 
almost like not doing anything and just relaxing and, and stopping having all inputs in your life and just being for a while is not something that people do. So I guess they do lose that connection with the energy that's around them and, and um, yeah, being able to be mindful of the breath and the food that they eat and connecting with the ground and the energy that's around them. So yeah, we are losing those things. I think it's a sad loss because, you know, it's not scientific, so to speak, but there is a lot of um, researchers doing investigations into these things now and, Hopefully we come full circle in the next, well, we're probably going to be 10 or 20 years until we start looking at these things with a more um, open perspective. But yeah, I guess it's like conversations like these that start the ball rolling. Maybe someone will hear this and they'll end up doing some research and validating what we're trying to say. Hmm. Well, people are being forced to, to kind of pause um, at the moment or since 2020. And I think it's a very interesting time and this could be like the shake up for the wake up. And it's interesting how, um, so a friend of mine who's an osteopathic doctor in the States said to me that the, the Spanish flu birthed osteopathy. And um, when he said that, I was looking at what was going down with the coronavirus and I thought, could this be the birth of naturopathy into the mainstream with people now understanding the effects of vitamin C and zinc, um, diet and lifestyle, just really starting to take responsibility for themselves. Like not, they're not there yet, <laughs> it's a long way to go, but they're starting to kind of look in the mirror and go, ah, oh, maybe I could change something and that would help my health and my happiness yeah i agree i think there is a big paradigm shift and this is the new age this is the new age of of health and well-being and uh moving away from the old mechanistic um medicine model i think that there's going to be a big shake up a big shift i can already see it happening a lot of um doctors that i'm speaking to are seeing it happening and you know previously um medical doctors who I've spoken to who are very close-minded about some of these things I'm now reconnecting with and their perspectives totally changed. So great. This stuff has actually happened over the last 12 months. It it was the shakeup that we needed for sure. I'm from a family of doctors and nurses and it's really interesting, like just observing them change um, over time. And um, that shield did my cleanse for the first time a couple of weeks ago, which was brilliant because they, you know, the fact that they are seeing um, the health benefits of it um, and also getting into breath work as well, which is, yeah, it's just brilliant. Mm. I'm, I'm positive about the future. Um, and I think that, I think that health practitioners have a huge role to play in creating the new way and the new paradigms, um, especially naturopaths, because, you know, we are taught to critically analyze research. And um, depending on how long you've been in practice, like you, you know, you are using practices and techniques that really work. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm very positive about the future. And what's happening now is just like the toddler throwing the tantrum because it's not getting its way, right? And eventually it'll have to stop complaining because no one will listen to it anymore. And that's the old system on its way out, in my opinion. So there's still a long way to go. There's going to be some rough days ahead for people, but we just got to keep our eye on the, on the prize, the eye on the end goal. One thing I was going to ask you is what do you think are the most important things that people can do to actually heal themselves? You've, you've spoken about, um, you know, reducing the amount of food you eat and breath work, but are there other things as well? Like uh, detoxification processes, Mm. like what do you do around helping people to get rid of toxins and, and poisons and things out of their body? So on the cleanse, I advocate enemas and a clay shake. 
Um, so this is bentonite clay, sodium bicarbonate and magnesium sulfate. Um, and there's also herbal formulas. So it's a, it's a physical binder. And then they have a solvent in the morning that breaks it all down and then the enema flushes it out. So the cleanse is brilliant for anybody that's looking to um, release uh, the effects of environmental chemicals and also, um, you know, heavy metals that we've absorbed through the diet. So I would, I recommend the cleanse to everybody to do at least once a year, but on a daily basis, breath work on a daily basis. If you're, if you're forced to wear a mask, so I still work in palliative care, but I've mixed it with naturopathy now. Um, and I was with a very immunocompromised patient and I had to wear a mask literally for 12 hours of a day. So then I was in the morning, first thing, go and plant my feet in the ground to earth my body. And I do some really deep abdominal breaths. And then I would do Kundalini, breath of fire, just to release any of the toxins that I'd absorbed from having the plastic on my face. Um, so yeah, that's a really simple thing to do, making sure that you get lots of time in nature, putting your feet in the ground. Um, if you're in a nice sunny place, getting lots of sun on your skin, that's so important and it's so overlooked. And it's one of the main reasons that I'm not living a, a breatharian lifestyle right now. It was never breatharian because I was still drinking juices, um, pranic living or light living, if you like. And I'm not living that right now because I just can't get enough sunlight. But as soon in the UK, but as soon as I'm in a warmer country, automatically I just go back to not needing so much food, not needing that requirement. Um, so yeah, to heal themselves. <laughs> self-inquire as well. So journaling is important and um, writing down what do I need and how do I feel each day? Um, often people go to the fridge when they're thirsty and they need a drink instead of food or they might need a hug or they might need just to move the body, have a dance, listen to some music. So there's so many other ways that we can feed ourselves. Um, but yes, needs self-inquiry to understand what that is. Um, hmm, yeah, they're my main tips. That's good. I like it. They're very similar to the principles that I sort of uh, recommend to people now. Very different to what I used to recommend. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you mentioned the sun and not getting enough exposure in places like the UK, how detrimental is that, do you think, to, to human health, not getting enough sun and possibly living in a climate where you're not getting exposure to sunlight? Because a lot of people now are trying to use vitamin D supplements as a replacement for that. So it's like, oh, it's okay. I'm not getting enough sun. I'll just pop a few of these pills. And I think it's really ignorant for people to think that they can replace the sun, the thing that gives all life to, uh, uh, to everything on this planet you can replace that with something that's in a gelatin capsule. So how, how can you work on getting more sun if you do live in those climate colder climates where there is less sun? I think Probably it's not just lack of sun. I think it's lack of being outside in nature. Um, yep. So you can still get the sun's rays, but obviously you don't have your skin as exposed. Um, and when it's miserable outside in grey, nine spent the time in the winter, then you don't want to go outside as much either. Um, I think that people can utilise the elements differently. So in winter, making sure that you have fires around, making sure that you sync your biocircadian rhythms with, um, with the daytime. So going to bed earlier, waking up later, um, really doing lots of self-nourishing practices, um, having very grounding food. So getting in touch with the seasons, I think that's a good way um, to, nothing's going to replace the sunlight. I think the closest thing to that might be infrared saunas, right? Um, having the infrared exposed uh, to the, the retina um, and as much of the skin as possible. And if people suffer from seasonal affective disorder, which is that a thing or is that just, you know, is that just being in tune <laughs> with yourself? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think a supplement helps. I mean, St. John's is amazing for depression, but I think that's different from um, being affected by lack of sunlight. So infrared saunas, having the Lumi lights, they work really well. Um, And yeah, using the elements, being around water as well as fire. Yeah, speaking about fire, this is something that I've always had in the back of my mind since I heard the gentleman mention this. And his name's Professor Michael Hamblin. Mm. And I think he's over in uh, universities in the UK. He does, he's done a lot of research in the field of low intensity light therapy, like um, infrared therapy, laser therapy. And in one of the podcasts I was listening to him speak about, he said that one reason why there might be so much disease in uh, people where they're not getting enough sun is because they don't sit in front of fires anymore. Mm -hmm. So once upon a time in those really cold climates, say in the UK, for example, people would be huddling around fires. So they would get that infrared energy from the fire. And he says now that that's sort of been taken out of the Western modern society we're not getting exposure to that infrared um, light and heat energy that we're becoming deficient essentially in in whatever it is within the fire um, that helps our body stay in homeostasis which can't replace the sun but it can certainly tide us over through that winter period where there's not enough light until we can um, get through till the summertime and expose ourselves to the sun again Do, do you think there's much truth to that and uh, like in the UK, are people still like, do they, do you have fires and stuff in uh, like fireplaces in your houses? Are people getting exposed to fire very much there? Um, I'd say no, not really. Um, the last time I saw a fire was in a refugee camp <laughs> and that was used to keep everybody warm. Um, well, last time I saw a fire outside of my own home, got a fire here and we have a fire pit outside. Um Unless you're in an old house, then no. All of the new apartments, they've got central heating. And yeah, it's not a normal thing, unfortunately. Yeah, I think there's um, so much that we sort of take for granted uh, in regards to sun exposure. And we've been scared in Australia to stay out of the sun. There's this wonderful public health program, which is trying to reduce people's sun exposure and i'm not saying that people should get out and get burnt in the sun sun sun, sensible sun exposure is really important but yeah we're at a point now where people are just so afraid of going out they they don't venture out at all um to the point now where i'm reading some research where it's saying that the highest rates of melanoma are in office workers like people that don't go outside at all it's really quite crazy we've been trying to do so much good that I think we're now actually moving away from how we should live as human beings and we're actually doing harm to ourselves. Yeah, that's bonkers. We really just need a whole new re-education on how to be vital. Um, And that is going back to the basics of nature and rewilding and re-synchronizing Um, and observing nature and the patterns in nature. And that was one really interesting thing when I lived in Ibiza because I was able to be a lot more still. I was able to observe nature a lot more. And um, it was just incredible, like what what nature taught me, what I had to unlearn just by observing it. It was cool. Mm. Even, Even to the point of like which flowers come into come into um, season at the different times of the year and how that's linked with the colors of the of the chakras through the system and and um, you know like in the autumn time it's like more red ready colors and that's when we're grounding and that's all to do with the base chakra um, and then coming into spring it was all these like lovely like orange and purples that's where we're more vocal so um, you know, blue colors, so the throat chakra. Yeah, it was really nice making those connections and those patterns, seeing the patterns. Yeah, it is really cool. And that's that makes up a big part of Ayurvedic medicine. 
You know, it's one of the most widely practiced forms of medicine in the world and mm. it benefits a lot of people. And yet here we are in the West thinking that we know so much better and we just dismiss all those things like the, the pranic healing and the Ayurvedic healing methods. It's really um, quite sad to see that happen. But isn't so, it incredible how... Um, so I, I've done a little bit of TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, and I've done like a tiny bit of Ayurveda through my yogic journey. But traditionally, I am like Western herbal medicine and nutritional medicine. Um, and it's incredible how all three different systems of alternative medicine, I don't really like that, that phase, that phrase, um, but all different systems can go down completely different paths <laughs> but then also get to like the cure point and you know one will be using a diet that is completely different to another one and the other one wants to know that's inflammatory but actually if the person does this route or this route or this route they will all come to the to the same place that fascinates me yeah yeah i think a lot of that has got to do with um what's up here so the belief or the thought process that someone's told me to do something because it's going to make me better. I believe that it's going to make me better and therefore I become better because how many diets are out there, right? There's yeah. 150 different diets and you can practice any one of them and people will get results. So I really think yeah, it's more to do with that placebo nocebo effect even when it comes down to dietary practices i know that there's a lot of that effect in nutritional supplements and herbal supplements but yeah even certainly with diet and possibly any type of therapy that we that we do maybe even breathing and mindfulness and meditation there's a, a lot of our um thought processes uh, affecting that placebo mm -hmm. box, yeah right yeah, Rupert, um, Rupert Sheldrake and uh, Bruce Lipton, they did a great talk on the placebo effect. And I think Rupert Sheldrake is actually studying it at uh, Oxford University. Um, he's doing a study on the placebo effect, which is great. Um, uh, I love that. I love their conversations together. <laughs> yeah, he's done some pretty cool stuff, Rupert Sheldrake. And that was a guy who did the, the work on... Um, the morphogenic fields. Their owners are coming home, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating guy. So I was going to ask you, um, as we sort of move into the final stages of our wonderful discussion today, where you see the healthcare system heading and what we can do as naturopaths, nutritionists, even integrative medicine doctors to try and push that process in the right direction. What can we do and where do you see it heading? I see there being more of an emphasis on frequency, sound waves, and bioresonance machines. I see a big merge between tech and the natural world, a positive merge. Um, I see the breath um, becoming very important in the future of medicine. Um, and I, I see hospitals looking completely different to what they do today. And I see doctors being able to hear holistic practitioners and holistic practitioners being able to hear doctors and have empathy and compassion for, um, for them and for the way that they have been systemized and in helping them um empathetically to be the true healers that they are on a mission to be that's what i see yeah that's awesome that's good insights and i know that we'll get there eventually and how do you think that what are the, some things that we can do as individuals, even just as uh, even from a practitioner perspective, just as individuals, to um, get to that point, um, practice disciplines that bring you to your center and that take you well, not take you out of your head because we always need to be integrating the head and the heart, 
Um, but to, you know, to be in the center, so principles um, of Qigong, of the Tao, meditation, yoga, um, anything to, where you are being in the heart center with other people. So that could be like just going to church, going to um, a meeting. Um, you know, one place where I've seen like the most authentic and real heart centered conversations was at an NA meeting, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, at one of those sharing circles, I went to accompany a friend and it kind of took my breath away that that level of honesty and embodiment and heart centeredness. Not saying I need to go and <laughs> develop a method addiction to get that, that's the hard way, but putting those practices in place now. Um, and it could just be like five minutes a day. You know, five minutes a day of doing um, a little yoga series or a little qigong five minute stretching. That's all it takes. And then build on that seven minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Little bits are so important. We, that's probably another reason why people are scared of um, committing to a healing therapy or, or protocol or program, because it just seems like such a big undertaking but it's really about just taking off small little chunks. Mm -hmm. You didn't end up sick and, and ill with this chronic disease in a day and you're not going to heal it in a day, right? It's going to take time to get there. Exactly. So I think this is you're providing a really beneficial and, and certainly helping to re-educate both clinicians and practitioners. So if people want to get more information about the course that you offer and, and the services that you offer, you've got a website and you also got your own podcast and you were talking about the um, platform that you, that you use earlier as well. So do you want to um, talk about that a little bit and give us the, the best way to contact you? Sure. So the website is realnaturo.com, R-E-A-L-N-A-T-U-R-O.com. And um, the RN Cleanse is on there. You can speak directly to a naturopath or to a psychotherapist, um, book an appointment with them online. Um, I recommend that everybody does the cleanse before they do that, just to kind of um, save themselves time and money and, you know, show us and show themselves that they are really invested in their health. Um, it's 10 days and it's so transformative. Like it's still blows me away when I see people transform and I'm like, huh, <laughs> did that really happen? Just from, you know, taking these things away and, and creating more presence um, in daily life. So yeah, not to blow my own trumpet, but it's, yeah, it's really valuable and it can be really life-changing, but you've got to be mm -hmm. in it to win it. Um, if you're not ready, then, then yeah, don't go there. <laughs> That's no, an awesome way to, to make sure that people are ready and they're compliant, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this hurdle that they need to jump over. And it's not to say that they can't come back later on when they are ready um, to do those things. So, yeah, I quite like the idea. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it. And it's the same with the appointments as well. You know, I speak to everybody that we sign up to our appointment packages just to make sure that they're ready um, because we don't want to waste their time. We don't want to waste the practitioner's time. Um, and if they're not ready, that's absolutely cool. Come back in three months time. You know, I'll give some like tips and some techniques and maybe some videos to do in the meantime, and then come back when you're ready. Like there's no race, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. all on this, on this journey together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, that's fantastic. I really appreciate your perspectives on things. It's always nice and refreshing to speak with someone who thinks a little bit outside the box. And yeah, I think you've got a lot of great information and things to offer people. So I highly recommend everyone goes and has a look at your website and checks out the services that you've got to offer. I'll also post a link to your website in the show notes as well, <clears throat> excuse me, so that people can get uh, easy access and check out your, your website. So. Amazing. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, yeah, it excites me that you're over there rocking it too. <laughs> well, you know, just um, little bits at a time, little chunks. I'm just, yeah, as I said, trying to 
do the, the best I can by providing um, a bit of extra information for clinicians and get them thinking outside the box. So mm-hmm. it's not for everybody, but uh, yeah, hopefully the people that do listen to this get a, a lot out of it. So thanks so much for joining me tonight or this morning over there where you are in the UK. And I'd like to touch base again, um, maybe in the next sort of three to six months and just catch up and see how everything's going because things are evolving and changing so much these days and a lot can happen in in three to six months so if you're happy we can organize another chat sometime i'd love to that sounds great i'd love to thank you so much fantastic thanks again chloe really appreciate it thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show if you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com slash podcast and join the discussion. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and become part of our growing community of like-minded health professionals. Until next time.